Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. We're going to walk through some things this uh, morning, and I, I'll tell you, this study of an Acts, I hope it's blessed you, it's blessed me, because I think the reminder here is, what are we all about? What are we to be focused on? I, I hear conversations all the time about, what are we doing, why are we doing it, how are we supposed to go about it, what's our purpose, what's our method, and I agree that uh, there's a lot of those things that need to be acknowledged and walked through, prayed through carefully thought through, yielded to, if you want to put it that way. I think fundamental to all of this in our study of Acts, you can see something that comes, comes out very clearly. And that is that whatever our purpose, whatever our method, whatever our programs, however we go about doing whatever it is that God's called us to, if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, if we're not walking in his divine empowering ability, absolutely nothing that we do will stand. Think about that. You know, in the beginning of our study of Acts, there's, a, there's an amazing phrase because Luke is writing to Theophilus and he makes this statement about how uh, he has already reported about the things that Jesus has done, his walk on this earth. Clearly he's referring to the gospel that he wrote But then he goes on and he gives this indicator of all the things that Jesus continues to do. Because if you remember at the ascension, the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's good for you that I'm leaving you because I'm going to send to you the helper, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come into you and then through you do all the things that I have commanded, that I have said that I'm going to do. And so when we talk about missions, we talk about evangelism, we talk about uh, all the different ways in which we participate with God in the midst of what he's called us to do, what he's commanded us to do, uh, we have to recognize that the foundation of it all is the empowering ability of the Holy Spirit in and through us. In our day and age, it's amazing. I don't know if you've been amazed to watch how many different movies have come out of, of the supernatural kind, right? You got Superman and you got Batman and you got Spider-Man and all the Marvel heroes are coming out and, and it's just amazing to watch all of this in light of our culture, in light of our world uh, and the different circumstances that are going on and there's this craving, it seems, for something beyond ourselves, something that is supernatural, something that is superhuman, And I think that's something that God, in effect, has put in us. We are created to worship. We long for something greater than ourselves. I think the Lord Jesus Christ has provided himself. Christ in you, the hope, the assurance of glory. The Holy Spirit coming within us to accomplish something through us that we could never accomplish on our own. A life that we've been called to that in effect is impossible to live apart from the empowering ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called grace. I think that's important to note. And all through the book of Acts, we see this over and over and over and over again. The empowering ability of the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things through believers that only Christ in us could ever accomplish. 
Believers must depend upon the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. Do you catch that? If we're not dependent, if we're not walking by faith, if we're not persuaded that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is able to accomplish this, then I would suggest that we are out of the energy of our flesh, the energy of our own strength, are trying maybe to do something good, maybe even something biblical, but we'll never get there to its fullest impact apart from the empowering ability of the Holy Spirit within us. In the book of Acts, and, in, and just kind of giving a, a broad brushstroke here to cover quite a bit of information, we have a transition here, right? We have the transition between the law, we have the transition which is the covenant of works, the energy of the flesh, doing things in order to be blessed by God, versus the covenant of faith or grace, the church, which is that we have been blessed and that God has come to live within us. And then we get to experience him and his power and what he alone is able to do through us. There's a clear divide here in this transition between self-effort versus the empowering ability of the Spirit of God. We see that the church is born and the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out onto believers takes place. I love this comment by Lewis Sperry Chafer. If you've never heard of him, we have partnered with Chafer Seminary. And, and so Lewis Sperry Chafer is who they have used as their namesake. He was the first president of Dallas Theological Seminary. And he says this. He says, the law of Moses presents a covenant of works to be wrought in the energy of the flesh, to be performed, to be done, if you will in the energy of the flesh. The teachings of grace present a covenant of faith to be wrought in the energy of the Spirit. Wow, that's so good. It's not about how hard we work. It's not about how much activity we're a part of or we're doing all these things. It's about God in us transforming us. It's about the body of Christ. It's about believers who have been transformed, our new creations in God, and the Holy Spirit having come to live within us so that through us, those teachings of grace begin to be accomplished. The Lord promised the helper, the Holy Spirit, now, we're going to go through a whole lot of Scripture, okay? So you turn fast, and I'll try to go slow, all right? But you just keep flicking, all right? And if you've got an iPad like me, it shouldn't be a problem at all. If you don't have an iPad, I'm praying for you. The Lord promised the helper, the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. Look at John 14, 26. The Lord says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, is going to teach you and he's going to bring to remembrance everything 
that I said to you. Now, clearly he's talking to the disciples, and he's talking about his time here on earth, and he's telling the disciples, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you so that you, through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, will remember the things that I have taught to you while I have been with you here physically on earth. John 15, 26, he says, When the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So we have the Spirit of truth. He's the helper. He's the Holy Spirit. He's going to come into these disciples and he's going to remind them of all that Jesus said while he was with them. And then the Lord tells them that he will also testify about me. The Spirit of God is always directing our attention to the Son of God. The Spirit of God is always directing our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Word, the Logos. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 8, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, we've seen that that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit begins to lead us to walk in such a way that God is revealed through our lives. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in people's lives who do not know him in order to draw them to himself and to convict them of their sin and that forgiveness is in Christ alone, to convict them of righteousness in Christ as well as judgment. When we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, when believers today receive Christ, when we believe in him, we immediately are indwelt and sealed with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22 make that very clear. He says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Listen to what he did. What did God do? Who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, as a down payment, as a promise. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is sent upon us. He's given to us in our hearts. And he's given to us in such a way that we are sealed in him. And we are promised something that is to come, which is eternal life. And we're given the Holy Spirit as a pledge, as a down payment of that which God has promised and is irrevocable. What a beautiful truth. We have God living in us. And we can be assured that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he said is true, it's absolute, that we will have eternal life. We are his children. The Holy Spirit in our lives as believers is absolutely vital because he leads us and guides us. He leads us into the word of God. He begins to teach us truth. He begins to convict us of sin so that we would confess it and get right with him. He is our pledge of the inheritance that has been given to us, not by our works, but by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross and shed his blood so that we might receive forgiveness of our sin and we may be made right with God the Father, not on the basis of our works, but rather because of what he has done for us. Praise the Lord. And now as believers, we walk with him. 
He walks with us. And he guides us and directs us and he gives us wisdom. And all that he accomplishes in our lives, we can't take credit for that. We can't say, look at what we've done. We say, look at what God has done in us and through us. And that's the story of Acts. That's the story of Acts, folks. If we have something to learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ that have preceded us, that are now a part of that great cloud of witnesses in heaven, applauding us, encouraging us, and I believe in many ways praying for us. I believe it is that we need to depend upon the Lord and we walk with him. And in everything, we yield our lives to Christ who is able to transform us, who is able to renew our minds, who through us is able to exhibit his life into a lost and dying world and to share hope. Light. Three things as we look at this. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that phrase is used 41 different times in the book of Acts. Uh, If you look it up in Paul's epistles, not his pastoral epistles, not Timothy and Titus and Philemon, but in the epistles, Romans, Galatians, etc. I believe it's about 16 times in all of Paul's epistles that the Holy Spirit is referred to. Contrast that with what Luke wrote here, and you have 41 different times the Holy Spirit being referred to. It is absolutely essential for us to understand the role of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And it is essential for us to understand that apart from him, we cannot do anything because he's the one that accomplishes this in us as well as through us. The Holy Spirit's promised, and it's a beautiful truth because at the beginning of the book of Acts, we see this in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Acts 1, 4 through 5. The Lord... He's about to ascend, he says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. There's a promise here. Which, he said, you heard of from me. Meaning Christ is saying this. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's pointing forward to that moment in the upper room when the Holy Spirit will come upon these disciples. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we see this. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, that is, known languages, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Acts 2, verse 33 says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit... He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Peter in his explanation to all these people, all these Jews that had come from all over the world in order to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost is saying to them, no, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning for that. This is what Joel prophesied, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. The Holy Spirit was promised. The Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit has come upon and the church was born, given birth. Well, we see it later on in Acts as well. In Acts chapter 8, verse 17, where Philip was going on to evangelize the Samaritans. 
Many of them were believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. This is a transitional time. And we walked through this, oh, two years ago, right? (laughs) But they wanted to affirm the authority of the apostles. There's a transition period in the first 11 chapters of Acts. So they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. They called Peter and John to come up. And in Acts 8, 17, it says they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Peter has had this tremendous vision. He's gone on this journey. The Lord's led him and directed him. And he has this vision of the sheep being lowered with the unclean animals in it. And he was told, take and eat. And Peter's response is, no, no way. I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. I'm not going to start now. And after three times, he wakes up and he's wondering what's going on. And if you remember, the servants of Cornelius came to the door at that very moment. And they asked for Peter to come with them to go meet this centurion who is a God-fearing man. So Peter comes to their home and finds not only Cornelius, but many of his friends there, Gentiles. He's taken along with him some of the Jewish believers in order to validate what's going on. In Acts 10, 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit's promised. The Holy Spirit is given. And when people now believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed in him and we are given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a pledge of the inheritance that God has promised to us. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is fulfilled. And we see people functioning out of the power and the strength and the grace of the Holy Spirit. You can see it in all kinds of different ways through the book of Acts. The presence of the Holy Spirit is manifested in many different ways. First of all, they were affirmed by the Holy Spirit. I love this. Peter and John were threatened by the members of the Sanhedrin to stop preaching Jesus. You know the story well. They went to the gate beautiful. They saw the lame man. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold we don't have, but this I do have. Stand up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and what? Walk. What does the man do? Sit around looking around like, what's going on? No, he begins to get up and he begins to leap. He's praising God. And a huge crowd gathers. The Sanhedrin's jealous. (laughs) They don't want Peter and John speaking about Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, the one that they made sure went to the cross, the the one that they paid off the centurions to lie about, the Roman soldiers to lie about, that he had been risen. And so they call him in, they threaten him. And Acts 4.31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Love it. Frankness of speech. Honesty. Transparency. No political correctness in this one, folks. They weren't worried about whether the Sanhedrin was going to punish them. Peter looked at them and said, You make the decision. You choose whether we should obey you or whether we should obey God. And they go back with all the believers. They've been threatened. There's a threat now to the early church. They've been told, you stop preaching Jesus. And they gather together and they begin to pray. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He affirms them. 
You keep following me. You keep doing what I've called you to do. And the whole place is shaken. Well, the Holy Spirit sent out Barnabas and Saul from Antioch on their first missionary journey. If you look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts 13, 2. It says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Boy, I think that's so beautiful. They're prayerfully considering, Lord, how do you want us to go about doing what you've commanded us to do? You told us to be witnesses not only in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but also to the uttermost. You want us to take the gospel to everybody. Paul, the apostle, was called to be an, an apostle one who would give an accurate testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation which is in Christ to the Gentiles. And they're gathering together in order to prayerfully consider, Lord, how do you want us to do this? And the Holy Spirit sets aside Barnabas and Saul for the work that he had called them to. In Acts chapter 13, 4, as they're going, We also have this statement, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. I think that's a beautiful phrase. Sent out by the Holy Spirit. I think for believers, the question is, are we walking in the power and the strength and the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit? Are we listening carefully to the word of God that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us? And are we in obedience saying, yes, Lord, as we walk by faith? Are we being sent into whatever arena it may be. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your neighbor. Wherever it may be. Lord, here am I. Use me. How do you want to use me, Lord? You live within my life. You're transforming me. You're renewing my mind. I want to walk with you. I want to be a useful vessel to you. And the Holy Spirit will give you the strength and the power and the insight and the wisdom in order to follow him in all the things that he has for you. Are we sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to follow him and what it is that he has for us? Well, they're also directed by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and following. I love the Apostle Paul. I can't wait to meet him after I spend a million years with the Lord. I want to sit down and talk to the Apostle Paul. Amen? Don't you? I do. I can't wait to hear his stories and hear what he went through and hear how God used him in the midst of all these things, some of the things he went through from a personal, human, emotional level to how he experienced God. I can't wait. But one thing we do know about Paul, particularly early on, is man, was he hard-headed. Right? I mean, if this guy, if you told him he couldn't do it, he would say, watch this. If you said to him, hey, Paul, uh, I don't think that's possible, he'd probably have said, yeah, right. I'm going to prove you wrong. I mean, he was trained under Gamaliel. You couldn't fool him with the word. He knew exactly what it was that was prophesied about Christ. I mean, he had an amazing temperament. And we can see it in Acts chapter 16 because even though he's been a believer now for quite a few years and even though he's been growing in Christ, uh, this is his first missionary experience. Barnabas is listed as being the first in their team, meaning Barnabas is still the leader. Did you catch that? And what happens in verses 6 and following? He says, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Wow. You're kidding me, right? You mean the Holy Spirit literally stopped them 
from going where they thought they were supposed to go on a journey that God had already called them to, to fulfill what God had told them they were supposed to be doing, which is to proclaim the gospel to the lost, to the Gentiles, and he stops them from doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 7, and after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not do what? Permit them. Folks, look, when the Lord gave us the Great Commission, we're not deists. We, we don't look at this and say, oh, great, oh, God's that great clockmaker in the sky. And he gave us the Great Commission. And so it's up to all of us to figure out how to do this. No, he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, I am with you in order to help accomplish this. We begin to follow God. We know that we've been called to this, but we understand that we've been called into a superhuman life that only Christ in us can ultimately accomplish through us. And we follow him because he knows the time. He knows exactly the season. He knows how to go about doing things that we don't even have an understanding of. He's already at work. And he invites us into that work. And there are times where he says, you hush. You be quiet. You be still. This is not for you yet. We see later on that Paul was brought into these areas and that the gospel was proclaimed. But at this particular moment in time, the Lord knew exactly this is not for you yet. Are we so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we're willing not to do something? Sometimes we get so active and energetic about things that we leave the Lord way behind. My friends and I used to joke about this all the time. You know? I I don't want to get in the Lamborghini and get ahead of God. I don't want to be in the Yugo and fall behind either. I want to walk with him step by step. The Lord knew when to open up the ministry for Kennedy Middle School. The Lord knows what he wants to do with a baseball clinic. The Lord knows what he wants to do with this body of believers. The Lord knows how to reach this community better than any one of us. And if we are just going to sit around and brainstorm on great ways and great processes and and all kinds of things, we're going to look at all different other arenas to say this is what we ought to be doing because they're doing it. Folks, I think we're missing the method here, which is that we better be in touch with God about what he wants us to be a part of because the Lord Jesus Christ is going to empower us to do what he already knows he wants to do in and through us. That's essential. That's a message of Acts. People following God, saying, Lord, here's our lives. You do what you alone are able to do, not only in us to transform us, but through us to proclaim your name. Well, they were appointed by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and following, he's talking about elders. He says, be on guard for yourselves. He's speaking to the Ephesian elders. Last time, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The Holy Spirit is intricately involved in the body of believers, the church. The Holy Spirit is who places leaders in the position of authority. Holy Spirit's involved in our body in a very unique and special way. There is no other Hoffmantown church. 
Don't you know? We're unique. Do you know what the statistical, the mathematical statistics would be to compute how everybody in this room here right now by chance would be here? Are you kidding me? Think about that. Do you realize that God has brought you here? You may think you're the one that got here, but I want you to understand that the Lord is sovereign to the point where he has brought all of us. Even just the stories of the pastors and how God brought us here. Phenomenal. You can't make it up. God's sovereign over that. The Holy Spirit is the one who appoints. We can trust the Lord. We can walk with him in the midst of this. We get to experience his presence. There's the promise of the Holy Spirit, which was fulfilled. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is manifested in many different ways. And there's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord has called us into a work he alone is able to empower us to do. I like what uh, one of the guys on the video we were watching yesterday for the men's ministry breakfast. Once a month, guys. Once a month. You're kidding me. Come on, let's go. Right? It's a time of fellowship, great time. Once a month, Saturday morning, 7.30, you're awake. I know you are. And you got all kinds of college football the rest of that day, and you get to watch the Cowboys if you so choose on Sunday. Come on. But I like what the guy said about marriage. He gave a great illustration of this. He said, you know what? When we talk about husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church, it's like a, it's like a bar put 100 feet above us that we're supposed to jump over. And we go, what? I can't do that. And he said, that's exactly right. Because none of us can. It's what God alone is able to do in us and through us because only Jesus Christ can hurdle that bar. Folks, when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the empowering ability of God himself to accomplish the very things that he's called us and even commanded us to participate with him in. As witnesses, if it's not for the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not for the Holy Spirit in us, we will never be witnesses. In Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and following, he says to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, ability. It's the word we get dynamite from. You will receive dynamite, power, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Catch this. If it's not for the reception of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon these individuals, there would have been no testimony from Jerusalem to the uttermost. Everything that we see in the book of Acts is utterly a story about the Holy Spirit working in and through the body of believers called the church, not only locally but universally. Beautiful truth. He's a comforter, meaning an encourager. So beautiful how the Lord uses this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, he says, So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. You know what what happened, right? Paul was persecuting the church. Paul had a meeting with the Lord on the road to Damascus. Things settled down. And as a result... The church continued 
to grow because the Lord was growing them. And the Lord comes alongside of them. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of them and comforts them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, which means they were filled with joy. On Paul's first missionary journey, they were driven ultimately out of the city by the the Jews and the leaders when they were in Perga, Perga, in Pamphylia. And what's the response of the disciples? In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, it says, The disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It's not separated. It's not filled with joy and, oh yeah, by the way, it's also the Holy Spirit. No, no. It means filled with joy and also the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were not filled with joy because of themselves. They were filled with joy because they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that produced the joy in them, even in the midst of suffering and persecution. Well, miracles took place through the apostles and Acts 4.16 says, what shall we do with these men? <laughs> the Sanhedrin didn't know what to do with Peter and John because of the healing of this lame man. He says, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place, catch this, through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. I would challenge you, do a, do a study in the book of Acts and just take the word through and look how many times that word is used. How many times the idea of it's God in somebody and then through them that these things took place. Salvation is by grace through faith, right? Acts chapter 15, verse 11, he says, but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, doesn't it? For by grace you've been saved, how? Through faith. God's ministry through Paul. It's a great ministry. Verse, Acts 21, 19. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Literally, through his service. Paul never took credit for anything that he did. He said, not I, but Christ in me. Not I, but Christ Any credit was given to the Lord. I love what Chaffer says about this. He says, A Christian's life and service is to be enabled by the power of God and therefore is superhuman. (laughs) You think of yourselves that way? The Christian, it is clearly stated, is not only dead to the law, but is delivered from the law and every aspect of the law that he should serve in newness Of what? The Spirit. For the teachings of grace are particularly characterized by the fact that they are to be wrought, accomplished by the enabling power of the Spirit. That's beautiful. We have all these rules and all these ideas of what we're supposed to be doing, but friends, do we recognize that that bar has been set so high that it's only Christ that can jump over it? And the question is, are we learning to trust? Are we learning to walk with God? Are we learning to experience his power as he transforms us and then begins to lead us in what he alone is able to do? 
In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and following, we're given something here that is such a beautiful picture of the working of God in us through the Holy Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Who's the fruit of? Is it of us? Oh, it's the fruit of the Spirit, God's production, what God is able to do. So believers, we need to learn to depend upon the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do his will. We need him in every area of our lives. We need him in our emotions. We need him in our attitudes. We need him in our activity. We need him to lead us. We need him to guide us. We need him to direct us. And if there's one message out of the book of Acts, it is that the Holy Spirit has come upon the church in order to enable us to do the very things that he's commanded us to do. Are we trusting him? Are we walking with him in the midst of the life that he's called us into? That's the issue. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.